Welcome to another episode of Iron Sharpens Iron. We are Iron Sharpens Iron. We are the Who Surround Yourself with Matters. Part of this movie is Proverbs 27 17. Iron Sharpens Iron, so one man sharpens another. All right, so today we have another student on the podcast, Ryan Luchny. Did I say that right? Do you, do you pronounce the H in it? Not really. So just it's just Ryan Luchny? Luchny, yeah. Oh, the okay. H is silent. Ryan, I should have asked that before I started now. <laughs> no. No. But uh, yeah, you want to introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, okay. So my name is Ryan Luchny. I am a sophomore studying electrical engineering here at NDSU. Um, I live in Newman Living in the men's hall, and I'm a student leader. I lead a Bible study. I've been around since my freshman year, and I got involved right away when I came on campus. Thank the Lord. Um, and I was very graciously invited to join in, in all the activities by a focused missionary. Her name was Lexi Weber. Um, and I just witnessed the great love that she had for me and all the other students, and that drew me in like immediately. And so immediately I just started coming to all the events. I made friends. And then from there, my faith really started to flourish. And I'm extremely grateful for everything that the Newman Center has offered me throughout uh, last year and this year. And I just hope to give back as much as I possibly can. That's awesome. Were you a cradle Catholic? Can I have you actually lower your mic just a little bit so it's below your mouth? So it's like. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Right. Were you like cradle Catholic before coming into the. I, yes, I, I grew up, I was a cradle Catholic. So I grew up practicing my faith, um, but I come from a very small town. It's uh, There's like one church um, in my town, not super huge. There's not a, a large mass attendance okay. um, and not, not like a daily mass practice. Um, that's like every single day. And um, nobody, I guess, from my grade, from where I'm from, I mean, there was maybe a couple who were practicing their faith. Um, but it was just hard not having people my age to talk to about my faith. So when I came here and now I see, oh, wow, there's like an entire community of people practicing their faith, striving for excellence, who are the same age as me. And a lot of them went through the same things I went through or are going through the same things that I'm going through. And so there's a huge, like it was just such a huge grace to have a community finally Whereas back home, I never felt like I had that. I mean, also, I'm an engineer, or I'm studying engineering, and not a single person from my grade of 29, I think, went into engineering either. So oh, wow. there was like, I don't know, I just feel like I didn't have a lot of like-minded people in my, uh, in my grade. Um, although I, I did have a few friends, so. Yeah, and that's awesome that you found your your way into the doors of the Newman Center. And uh, when you came here, we didn't have like this building, right? It was to, no. we had an office complex. For yep. those who don't know, we had like a little office complex temporarily between our old Newman Center and this Newman Center. So when you came here, it was just that office complex. And Yeah, um, I'm a rare breed, they say. I'm an office complex Newmanite. Yes, because that was just, what, two years, two, three years? Like yeah, it was purgatory. <laughs> so that's what uh, That's what the office complex was. But yeah, now we're here and I hope... I don't know, you like this Newman Center. <laughs> a little better than the office complex, right? <laughs> it's not even a question. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, welcome to the podcast. This is your first time on. This is awesome. Uh, Merry Christmas to both of you, almost. It is Advent, yep. and I think this episode will be dropping, I think, the last week of Advent. Um, so yeah, as we, do you guys have any like Christmas traditions or anything you do as a family going on? 
Boy, that is a good question. I mean, we there's there's obviously the you know family plans, which every yeah. family has their own you know thing they make, the meals they make, the the you know schedule they keep. Um, we're doing uh, my wife's doing Advent school with the kids this year, which is oh, kind of a new tradition cool. where they homeschool, so everything is the normal you know weekly routine is set aside and. They're doing everything involving Advent and just preparing for Christmas. And it's been really fruitful for the kids. And they're memorizing different poetry and things like that. So things that you need, you know, you're not trying to get done, right? It's, yeah. it's just trying to enter into to all of that. So that's been really good. Nice. Yeah, what about you, Matt? Uh, we do, uh, we don't have like, oh, well, one tradition we do is we do the Secret Santa thing. Yeah. And that's always really fun. We all, uh, I, I got, got a big family. There's uh, eight kids in my family and then we have, we do our, our parents too. Yeah. So there's 10 of us and we all, I think every year on Thanksgiving, we draw the names for Secret Santa and that's yeah. always a lot of fun. I would tell you, but um, whoever it could be, could be listening to this. Yeah. So and that was, <laughs> that would ruin the surprise. Well, yeah, we do that. And then I think last year or two years ago, we started doing White Elephant, which is just some fun things that we do on Christmas Eve. Um, because we kind of have that Christmas Eve where we never really did anything, and then we started to do like Secret Santa, so we're just right after our Christmas dinner. And so, yeah. do you do you get actual gifts, or do you give them like your old socks and things like that? For the white elephant, we just get some some small things. But for the, we started out the Secret Santa where it's like, all right, you have a like a ten dollar limit or a twenty dollar limit. And yeah. Then I feel like every year it's going up because as the oldest kids get full-time get more jobs income, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then it becomes, well, you know, it's, it's a, not really a set limit. So it's like, get whatever you want. Yeah. I, I thought of another one we do. Um, so for St. Nicholas's feast day, the kids will do the traditional, put your shoes out. So they'll put their, oh, yeah. their boots out yeah. and, uh, you know, they'll get, um, you know, coins and candy and things like that. Little gifts from St. Nicholas. Um, and then they put the, they'll put their Christmas letter to Santa Claus, you know, because it's St. Nicholas, and yeah. um, so that, that he knows what they're asking for for Christmas. And uh, I asked Judah this year what, what he wanted, and he's like, wow, well, I want a, a new broomball stick. I said, oh, okay, that's, that's good. And he's like, and a pistol. <laughs> <laughs> I said, what do you mean by a pistol? I don't know, like a pistol. I said, Judah, I don't even have a pistol yet. <laughs> so I'm getting a pistol. He's like, well, Santa could get anything. I'm like, oh. That's true. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. yeah. Ryan, do you got any, any traditions that you guys do as a family or anything? Yeah, we, we actually don't do, like, white Santa or a white elephant. Sorry, secret <laughs> Santa or white elephant uh, gift exchange or anything. We we just do, like, a, a we have gifts for yeah. Christmas Eve and, and on Christmas morning. There's usually some sweets and chocolates under the tree. Um, nice. But we always get together, all of our family, and we, we make some cultural foods so my family my last name is czech and it means loud luchny um, <laughs> is, is your family loud <laughs> i honestly i don't really think so but it's my uh, ancestors were blacksmiths and so they were always pounding away on the anvils and that's how they got the name <clears throat> but we always make cultural foods so uh, usually like dessert Czech pastries and stuff. So we make kolaches, roliki. I'm not sure if I'm saying that roliki, quite right. Roliki. Ro roliki. <laughs> spell that for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty tough one to spell. Yeah. It's like my last name. Um, but they're they're really good. We also 
make Lessa too. Um, and then on New Year's, we have a feast um, and it's all seafood. So we have a seafood meal, I guess, for New Year's. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, it is interesting. I'm not exactly sure how that tradition started, but I mean, I like seafood, so I like it. Bonus. I like to tell people I'm on a seafood diet. Yeah. I see food, I see and, food I and I eat, eat it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. That was a bad joke. <laughs> yeah, be I, I, here I, I, all I episode. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so like I said, we're in Advent right now. This will, I think, be the week before Christmas when you can listen to it. So it's still in Advent. And one thing I think we can do in Advent to prepare for Christmas and then during the Christmas season is pray the rosary. So today we're going to talk a little bit about the rosary. Um, just a recap of what, you know, the rosary is. You know, we talked about this with... Sister, remind me of her name, Therese? Was Mary it? Therese. Ma- Sister yeah. Mary Therese. We talked about it a few, like a month ago, probably two months ago. Yeah, it, was, it was October. It was right around the, the Feast of Our Lady of the Rosary. Yeah, and we were talking about it and uh, the history of it. You know, before um, Mary gave the rosary to St. Dominic, before that they had, you know, the Psalter um, that they would pray, which is the 150 Psalms, or you have the Paternoster Psalter, which is praying the Our Father 150 times. And then Mary appeared to St. Dominic and gave him the rosary. And really the significant difference that um, Sister Mary Therese talked about was that, during, that in the rosary you have these meditations of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Um, so going into Christmas and in, during Advent, one great mystery that we can pray and really reflect on time and time again just to really set ourselves up for Christmas is the joyful mysteries. Um, so yeah, let's talk a little bit about the joyful yeah. mysteries. and. I mean, maybe it, it works. It, it, it's a good place for us to start if we just ask ourselves, what is joy? Because I think this word uh, gets thrown around a lot and is really misunderstood. And I'll be honest, when I think about the joyful mysteries, it's actually really hard for me because I actually see a lot of the burden that Mary and Joseph had to deal with through through this whole process of, you know, the incarnation and the birth of Jesus. I mean, Maybe it's because I've, I've seen my wife pregnant before <laughs> many times, and, and to, to not have room to even have the baby and be in a manger, like, that's the pits. That's really, I, what's joyful about that? Or what's joyful about having to flee to Egypt because, you know, you're being persecuted and Herod's threatening to kill all your children and yeah. all this stuff. So I don't know, it, it's, it's this weird thing where, in my mind, the joyful mysteries actually, in some ways, are just tinged with the human reality that they had to do. But that's not, I think, what the joy is referring to within these mysteries. Because yeah, they did have to sacrifice quite a bit um, when you know when Mary said yes uh, to the angel Gabriel and she conceived by the Holy Spirit. And so, uh, joy, what is it? Well, I think joy, um, in its simplest sense, is a fruit of charity. So joy comes or proceeds forth from charity. So we have to ask ourselves, what is charity then? Because, you know, we throw that word around a lot too, you know, it's, uh, we, we have a baby item drive going on at our Newman Center right now. And uh, it's like, hey, be charitable, give items to help the babies. Great. That, that is, you know, we think about charity, donating to charities, but charity properly understood is loving God, is pursuing the good of God himself. Um, And so if you put those two things together, then joy comes forth through loving God. And so when we think about the joyful mysteries, then 
it's actually really, really significant because what happens in the incarnation? Well, the angel Gabriel comes to Mary. She conceives by the Holy Spirit. She consents to this. We call that the Annunciation. And then she brings forth Jesus uh, in her womb. So she's really the new Ark of the New Covenant, right? She's like the first tabernacle where Christ is literally dwelling in her bodily and brings Jesus forth to the world. And, and Mary uh, goes to Elizabeth, and Elizabeth greets her, you know, hail, full of grace, blessed art thou among women, right? So she, you know, the angel Gabriel greets her as hail, full of grace. Elizabeth greets her as blessed art thou among women. Um, that's significant, especially because we pray that throughout the rosary and the Hail Mary. Those two lines, we're just repeating mm-hmm. these, these angelic salutation, you know, the hail, full of grace, and then uh, Elizabeth's greeting, and blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Uh, and then we have, of course, the, the manger scene where Jesus is born himself in the nativity, and then the presentation where he's presented uh, to Simeon, and then finally the finding of the child Jesus in the temple. When you look at all of these five joyful mysteries, what strikes you is because God took on flesh, because he became one of us, we can now love him in a human way. Whereas prior to that, everything that we would offer to God wasn't, in some sense, loving him directly. It was symbolic. You know, so in the Old Testament, sacrificing bulls and goats and and all the things that God prescribed, you know, that was being obedient to God, but we couldn't love God directly. When Jesus became man, now we can actually love God in a human way in the capacities that we actually have as as a human. And it's real love. It's actual love. You know, the infant Christ needed to nurse at Mary's breast, right? The wise men, um, when they came and offered gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, they were able to actually offer something tangible, incarnate, to the God who took on flesh. Um, The shepherds who came to adore in the manger, they were actually able to offer real praise to a real person sitting here, a human flesh and blood uh, person. You know, so I think the joyful mysteries then stem forth from the fact that we can now love God actually in a human way. And from loving God in an actual human way, we have joy. So I think that that's kind of come full circle why we would call them joyful. Yeah, and I like what you said about just loving them in a human way and thinking about it, this, this holy family that— um, God has given to us, Mary, Joseph, and the, the infant Jesus, we look at it and we're like, just like you were saying at the start is how can this be joyful? I mean, look at the, look at the struggle that they're all going through. I mean, Jesus was born in a manger. They can't, they can't even get uh, a hotel or an inn to stay yeah. at. He would, how, how can we see joy in this? And it's really humbling in our lives to see that this holy family that God has chosen is still struggling and it, it's joy because, you know, it's the, the infant Jesus being brought into the world. Yeah. Think about Joseph fleeing to Egypt, right? He, he wakes up in a dream or, or is told in a dream by the, the angel that, um, hey, get up and go. Herod is going to try to kill your child. And so he does so in haste. I mean, what kind of displacement is that? And they figure Jesus was probably about two years old at that point. Um, and it, it's it's wild to think of just the refugee status, if you will, of, of the Holy Family. And if we enter into the human experience of that, that is not easy. That is a really, really trying time. Yet Joseph, 
through his protector and providing status as the foster father of Jesus and husband of Mary, was able to love God very tangibly there. And so, yeah, there's great joy in that. And I don't know, maybe think about when, when, when was the last time you loved somebody and what was the effect of that? What was the fruit of that? Like really loved them. It ought to be joy, right? Yeah, I, I, um, I appreciate your approach to this. First asking, well, what is joy? And when I think about joy, I think about hope mm-hmm. and that I'm going through a, an Advent challenge right now on the Exodus 90 app. And one of the readings in the first week, you know, it, it's really focused on hoping for the coming of Christ um, and looking forward to the future. But one of the readings actually talked about how true joy cannot come from this world, but true joy comes from hope in eternal life. And so if we don't believe in eternal life, if we don't believe in heaven, the kingdom of God, then we can't have true joy. Like if you, people who live on this planet only for, like they live in this life only for this life and only seeking, you know, pleasure and gratification in the things in this world, that's not true joy. It's an it's a never ending, endless search for the next yeah. pleasure. Yeah. And so joy in all senses of itself is hope. It comes from hope in eternal life. And that's why it's so fitting for the season of Advent. Because it's all about hoping in the coming of our Lord Savior. Right. It's so beautiful. No, that's. I'm glad you you hit on that, um, because you know one aspect of joy is the fulfillment of desire, right? And you hit it on the head because we don't fulfill our desires on this earth. We live in time; things kind of ebb and flow. You eat a good meal and then you get hungry again, you know. And even within that meal, the first bite's the best. Every bite thereafter is like diminishing, and um, and only when we're face to face with God in His presence will our desires cease and our joy be complete because we no longer will long for anything. We have the completion of, of all that our soul desires in God himself. St. Augustine, our right hearts on. are restless until they, until they rest, rest in, in thee. thee. Amen. You know, and uh, I, I love you bring up hope too because uh, one of the joyful mysteries, the presentation, right? The, the presentation in the temple. And so what is that? Jesus, uh, Mary and Joseph, Joseph and Mary bring Jesus um, at the prescribed time to the temple to dedicate him as the firstborn that that opens the womb. And um, they're met by this wizened old prophet, uh, Simeon, who was foretold that he would not see death until he, he gazed upon, he looked upon the Lord's Messiah. And so he enters into uh, the temple and sees the Holy Family sitting there and gazes upon it, and immediately he understands um, that he's seeing the fulfillment of that. And uh, and I love this. We play, pray this at night prayer or compline at night is, uh, Now, O Lord, let your servant go in peace, for your word has been fulfilled. My own eyes have seen the salvation of the world, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, this this guy, he was told that he would not die until he gazed upon this. And so he persevered in hope, all this time. And then think about the consequence then of that. Now that he saw it, saw this, what's going to follow? Well, now he knows that 
he's going to die. He doesn't know exactly when, but he knows now that's going to, to die. And he's saying, now, Lord, let your servant go in peace. And I have this painting that hangs in my office of this scene. And it strikes me every single time I look at it because the artist masterfully paints Simeon, I mean, as this very old man. And he's holding the infant Christ child. And Christ, of course, is radiating with light. And upon Simeon's face is pure joy. It's what I think hope looks like. But you no doubt about it that he has been worn out with his hope. Like this man is old. He he's wears the, you know, the scars and the wrinkles and the burden of age. And, and this is the greatest joy of his entire life, even though now death is imminent. And that's why in some ways it's so hard to separate these, um, these two, two elements of, of joy and sorrow because the wood of the crib and the wood of the cross are connected. They're integrally linked together. And, and there's always this dance, this intertwining of the two. So I just, I could gaze at that painting forever. It's, it's amazing. I'll have to, I'll have to go and yeah, take come a look at my that. office. You that gaze on it. Amazing. Yeah, that's that's beautiful, and it really brings to light the suffering of the, the final mystery. Now that I think about it, and I wasn't thinking about this before. It was just when you brought this up. Yeah. Uh, the finding of Jesus in the temple during that time when when Jesus was lost. I just imagining the pain and the suffering that, because we talk about the the pain and the suffering that we might go through. That's all worldly desires. And you can't attach yourself to those worldly desires because all your desires should be towards God. But then you have Mary and Joseph who have lost Jesus and right. literally the like epitome of suffering, right? Because, I mean, you you were gazing upon him and you had him and then he's gone. And where, where do you find him? And where else do you look but the but um, his father's house, right? Yeah, and that's that's the joy of the mystery there is, did you not know that I'm in my father's house? that I would be here, that, that now we actually know where the Father's house is. Like in, in some ways, Jesus manifests himself in a really apparent way. And it, it strikes me that one as well, because that's also that very same scene, it, it flips it around as one of the seven sorrows of Mary, is not the finding of the child Jesus in the temple, but the losing of the child Jesus. And uh, Carol Hauslander, has a, has a great meditation in her book, The Read of God, about this scene, about that we're always pursuing and, and trying to find the lost child. That as soon as we, quote, find Jesus, he leaves us, he goes, right? So that we can continue to pursue him wherever it is that he's leading us. And then we'll find him again. And there'll be great joy in that moment. But then, again, he goes away. And so life is this continual process, this cycle of this finding and the losing of the Christ child. And when we find him, it's great joy. And it's almost like when we find him, we grow in our faith in a way. And then he goes away so that we can pursue him and achieve greater growth in our faith. Yeah, thinking, yeah, because we often, well, I often, I feel like in the good times, I forget to, to pray often. I feel like we always, uh, things start getting good and you forget to thank God. Um, for me, that's the case sometimes mm-hmm. anyway. And then when things go bad, as they always will eventually, um, that's where I can find myself crawling back to Jesus in the sacraments and uh, praying the rosary and and begging for mercy. And um, But yeah, there's often, like through life, you'll I feel like you always have those ups and downs. Um, 
of prayer and, and where you're at. And I think um, investing your time in the, the these uh, church seasons that we have, like Advent and Christmas, and really um, taking the opportunity to learn what these seasons are, and especially if it's like the season like Advent where you can really meditate and really dive into the mysteries of the rosary, even if you're not praying the rosary, but looking like actually into what the life, like reading the gospel and what's, what's happening in these mysteries. Um, all over the, the internet, you can find um, different, um, what, am I, what am I trying to say here? Different, bi- uh, the, the Bible verses that go with each, um, each mystery, and then you can even go even deeper, and they have Bible verses that you can pray for each Hail Mary. Yeah. So you, you read the Bible verse, and then you pray the Hail Mary. And that, I think, is a really great way to really just understand what's happening in these mysteries. Right, yeah, because the rosary itself is very scripturally based. And if you want to really dive deeper into the mysteries of the rosary, it goes hand in hand, and I would almost argue is inseparable from a life lived in the Word. You know, praying it through Lexio, Lexio Divina, very meditatively. And the richness of that will begin to allow you to explore the mystery that the rosary uh, reveals to us that it contains. Um, because I think mystery is one of those things that we will never reach the bottom of. Even though the rosary is made up of you know four sets, 20 mysteries in total, there is no shortage of depth to it. We will be, be exploring that our whole life because we move through time and space, but these mysteries are eternal. And so there's, there's never a moment where you'll reach the bottom of a particular mystery. And I'm continually struck after years and years of praying the rosary that the Lord will, will reveal something new about himself through that and just contemplating these central sort of access points or gates into the mystery of his love for us. Um, I, I, just, I, I just love the rosary because it's, it's so tangible that way and it's so accessible. Um, and it's, it's been just a great companion for me anyway, um, these many years of, of journeying with, with the Lord on this pilgrimage. I like how the rosary is it's not only a beautiful vocal prayer, but also it leads you into meditation and mental prayer. And by meditating on these great mysteries that are, you know, the life, death, the glory of Mary and Jesus' lives, how that can lead you into a deeper knowledge and intimate relationship with both of them, which is ultimately, I mean, what, what's our ultimate goal here? Holiness, strive for holiness, strive to have a relationship with our Lord Jesus. What better way to do that than by praying about his life and his death and his glory, his resurrection, all of the beautiful things that happen in his life on earth. I was thinking about what you were talking about with all the they'll have different scripture meditations for each yeah. um, Hail Mary. And I was just, before this, I was reading about uh, the history of the rosary. And one of the things that came up was that I, I believe they actually used to have a little, um, basically a little piece from the life, death, and glory of Jesus and Mary's life for every single Hail Mary. Like that's actually how the rosary used to be but you kind of needed a book for that because <laughs> it's kind of hard to remember that many that many things um, and so over time it just kind of shaped into having five for each rosary and now a total of well 15 
uh, <coughs> mysteries as it was for a very long time, um, as those were the mysteries given to St. Dominic, but then the additional five that St. John Paul II instituted. And I, I, love, I love those mysteries as well. The luminous mysteries are, are very cool, and I think they're very fitting into the rest of the mysteries. I think, honestly, like it belongs. <laughs> Absolutely, it does, yeah. I, I know in some quarters there's somehow controversy over that. I'm like, wait, wait a second. There's controversy about you meditating upon the life and teaching of Jesus. Really, if you look at the luminous mysteries, it's about the sacramental life of the church. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have baptism, the wedding feast at Cana, Cana, so both marriage, but also alluding to Jesus' crucifixion and also the Eucharist. Then you have his teaching, right, his general teaching, the transfiguration. Then we end with the Eucharist itself. And even contained within that teaching is uh, you, you can really meditate on all of the different sacraments from confession, where he's calling us to repent, it's the principal call of the proclamation of the kingdom of God is repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. Um, and then how, how he went around healing the sick all over the place. So anointing of the sick, there it is. Um, the institution of the priesthood is at the Last Supper as well. So you have holy orders. So you see actually a lot of the, it's the sacramental life of the church. And I would, uh, I would invite anybody who objects to the luminous mysteries that we can sit down and argue about whether that is good to meditate upon the sacramental life of the church or not. Yeah. But Ryan, I, sorry, I'm just so I went on a tangent rabbit hole there. <laughs> but I love what you said about um, the rosary and building a relationship with Jesus. Because, I mean, think like, when you have a friend, like an earthly friend, right? <laughs> and you're talking about that. You're asking, like, what's what's up with your life, man? What's going on? You see an old friend. What's going on? What's new? And then when you reflect on the mysteries of the rosary, you're just f- reflecting on Jesus' life as you would reflect with a friend about their life. Yeah. So outside of the Mass, the rosary is probably the greatest way to build a relationship with Jesus and, and Mary. And I, I just love that you touched on that. So. Yeah, and, and it's, it's that thing where you bring into, um, with you to the rosary, what you're experiencing presently. And that's part of that dynamic of mystery, right? You explore the mystery from exactly where you are at that moment. And um, was it Fulton Sheen, I think, said, uh, he has this great quote where, you know, the rosary is that moment where we get to sanctify the ordinary moments of our life that you bring wherever you are, you're driving to work and you're praying, you're sanctifying that moment of your commute to work, or you're in a waiting room at the doctor's office and you're sanctifying that, or you're up late at night with a baby, you're sanctifying that moment. Um, Because the rosary is so easy to take with you everywhere. You don't even need a physical rosary to pray it, right? We all got 10 fingers, so um, there it is. Like you, You can track your rosary and your your Hail Marys uh, by using your 10 fingers, so. Yeah, I love to joke around with my Protestant friends sometimes. Um, uh, they'll, they'll say like, uh, how, how can you, you know, pray to Mary and, and all this stuff? And typically um, they'll ask about the Hail Mary and be like, Hail Mary? And I'm like, you know, this is in the Bible, right? And then I'll point them to the, the scripture verse, but then I'll, I'll joke around with them and I'll be like, you know, you, you, you know Jesus, you've talked to him. He's, uh, he's introduced me to his mom. <laughs> yeah. So, so then I'll tell them about the rosary and, and, and all that. And I, I typically like to throw that around as a joke. So Yeah. <laughs> I know his family. <laughs> I, got, I got another joke here. Um, so, okay, the rosary was given to St. Dominic, right? Um, and 
Of course, he's the founder of the Dominican Order, which was really founded and the rosary was given to him to um, combat the Albigensian heresy, which really saw that the body was somehow evil or bad, right? And so the rosary sort of was given by heaven um, so that we could actually say, well, no, the body is not bad because Jesus assumed a body in his, in, when he assumed our human nature. So there we go, the, the body can't be bad because Jesus is not bad. So, okay, you have the Albigensians. Um, well, the Jesuits, they were, they were founded to what? Fight the, the Protestants, right? Like when the Protestant uh, uh, reformations were happening and things like that, um, the Jesuits were founded. So, uh, well, we all, we've all, uh, uh, you know, met many Dominicans and many Jesuits, but uh, when was the last time that you met an Albigensian? So Dominicans are greater than the Jesuits. <laughs> <laughs> I, I heard that joke, and I'm like, okay, that's that's good. So, so I think they banter back and forth the various religious orders. So. They do. I think <laughs> yes. especially the Dominicans and the Jesuits. Yeah. Um, I was talking earlier in the semester. We sent a group of guys, Knights of Columbus, to the Knights of Columbus College Councils Conference, um, and it's just this this national annual conference. And there, when I was there, I met this amazing priest. His name is Father Irenaeus, and he is from the Dominican order. And, and he was talking to me, uh, and you know, I could just tell like, he was saying a lot of things contrary to the Jesuit uh, beliefs or like their, their way of life. Not that necessarily contrary beliefs, but just the way about doing things. Um, differed in a lot of ways. So yeah, <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we got to pray for the the Jesuits. There's some really good ones out there. There's, there are, but it's an order that's uh, been in confusion for you know good 50, 60 years. So got to pray for that renewal. Every order goes through renewals. You look at great saints. Um, you know, Carmelites like Saint Teresa of Avila came mm-hmm. in and renewed that order, and mm-hmm. Saint Catherine of Siena even helped to renew. You know, the Dominicans. Uh, you know, a century or two later, so every yeah. order needs it. You know, the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal, who we had on a, a few episodes ago. Yeah. Um, you know, they they're an order of Franciscans that really wants to get back and renew that original charism of Saint Francis. So yeah, yeah, a couple couple priests come to mind that we can pray for for the, the Jesuits. But. <laughs> they shall remain nameless. We, we won't go there on this on this episode, <laughs> at least. I don't know. Maybe when we get more followers. Maybe this is what we need to get. Yeah. <laughs> oh, don't. No, we're not chasing controversy. We're not doing it. We're not doing it. No right. grifters here. But yeah, the Advent season, pray the, pray the rosary, um, especially um, reflect and meditate on these joyful mysteries during the, as we come into Christmas and during the Christmas season, really reflect on these mysteries and I don't know. Do you guys have any last um, little notes you want to leave the listeners with? If you don't, if you don't pray the rosary right now, just start. You know, yeah. even if it seems intimidating, grab a pamphlet. If it seems like you don't have time, just pray a decade at a time. What you'll find yourself is the consolation received from this, and the just sort of the the reassurance in your faith and the growth will will be immediate. So. Just build the habit of praying the rosary. It goes so perfectly in the spiritual life with a life lived in sacred scripture and in the sacraments. It's it's the perfect complement to those things. Yeah, I don't know if uh, I don't know if this was Father Jacques Philippe who said this or if he was quoting a saint. I can't remember. It's in the book Time for God, but he says um, if you don't have fifth or if you don't have thirty minutes to pray a day, go pray an hour. <laughs> so if you don't have if you don't have time to say a decade of the rosary, go pray a rosary. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. 
no, but actually, if if you're struggling to find time, go just pray a decade at a time yeah. and, and reflect on that. Just begin. I, I think we convince ourselves out of prayer a lot. Mm-hmm. It's really easy. Uh, I do it. I think everybody does it where we'll choose something else in, in light of prayer or in, in, instead of prayer, I mean. Yeah. So just just do it and begin. And all of a sudden, even if you give God just a moment, because that's truly all you have, um, well, that was the best spent way you could spend that moment. Yeah. And God will meet you there. He always is because he's nearer to you than you are to yourself. So don't be afraid to to spend time with him, even in those ordinary moments when you're just walking to class, on the bus, wherever you might be. Keep your rosary on you. I always keep two. I gotta be armed at the right and at the left. Keep one in my pocket and one on the other, the other arm. But um, you know, always have one available to you so that, that you can just kind of reach in. And even it's uh, the physical beads themselves can be sort of a, a calming thing. I've been yeah. in situations where I was just around difficult, uh, difficult circumstances. And I just reached my hand in my pocket and just kind of fingered those beads. And it just immediately puts my mind that God's with me. So, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of ways the rosary can be a gift to us. So pray it. For sure. For sure. I completely agree with just start. <laughs> I mean, for me, I, I, would, like, I love play, praying the rosary every day, and it does take time. But there are so many times in your day when you can be praying a rosary. And one of the like really nice times that I found is just walking to class, walking or however long your walk is to class. If you're a student, um, usually somewhere between five and 10 minutes. If it's a five minute walk, you get a decade done. When you walk back, you get another decade in. If it's a 10 minute walk, you get two decades on the way there. Walk back, you get two more decades. You've got one decade left. I mean, there's so many little areas and times throughout your day, there's almost never a day where I don't have my rosary done before I come back from classes. And not that I'm trying to just get it done per se, but rather that praying it to its completion has a certain sense of fulfillment that, um, that I really like to achieve. And if I can't, if I don't finish it by the time I get back and the rest of the day is busy, I don't finish it. Yeah. But I, I prayed it as much as I could. And that's what's, that's where the joy lies, is praying in the moments that you can, the moments that you do have. So just viewing those with, with uh, realistic, I guess, uh, yeah, eyes. Absolutely. And I, I would even say, if you don't have time to pray the rosary, I think next time you do go into prayer, um, ask, ask God to show you where you have wasted time in your life. Um, if you keep an eye on how much time you're wasting on social media, you probably, 15 minutes goes by like snap of the finger. Um, how, how much time you spend on maybe a Netflix show. Um, and if you're, if you're not doing this, um, then just ask God to, uh, to show you the wasted time that you have that you could be, that could be spent in prayer and building a relationship with, the, with him because I'm, I'm sure he, he'd love to show you. <laughs> Absolutely, he would. All right. Well, thanks for uh, joining in. Like, subscribe. Uh, hit the notification button, all that fun stuff. Merry Christmas, happy Advent.